1: What is Blake Ruffino doing in the middle of the morning, 10 a.m., on a Wednesday morning going live? Well, in case you missed it last night, we told you last night we are going to be doing these Monday and Wednesday mid-morning shows as we will take our segment, which we have been doing on AYS, Around Your SEC, and we'll be applying it to Monday and Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Ah Ah-ha-ha! We are live early. 10 a.m. I I could count on, well, we used to do a Monday, we used to do a Saturday morning show, but I could count uh, on one hand, or maybe even two hands, but could count uh, very briefly that we have been live at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time this early in the morning, Uh, but it's fun. We're going to go around your SEC. We're going to talk a lot of college football here today. Is Billy Napier in, in in some serious trouble? Not NCAA serious trouble, but he could be there too. But we're going to talk a lot of college football here around your SEC. We'll talk some some obviously some baseball throughout uh, this segment. So uh, really fired up, really excited for this as AYS Sports will be doing this segment around your SEC. So we're really excited about it. But lots to talk about. Big show in store for you today. We'll be bringing on a big time guest and we'll be continuing to bring on big-time guests uh, throughout this series as we continue to do it. Brooks Austin will be joining us um, around 10.30. Looking forward to him being with us. He covers the Georgia Bulldogs for SI's Fan Nation and the lead editor for Dogs Daily. So looking forward to having Brooks Austin join us here at 10.30. We will talk about the Georgia Bulldogs their G-Day, their spring game was announced yesterday. So, what do they want to see going into spring? What does Brooks want to see going into spring? Obviously, we'll talk a little bit of baseball, the playoff with him as well. As former LSU pitching coach Wes Johnson off to a really hot start as they are 4-0 uh, as well. So, we'll talk about, we'll lead off today's show uh, with Billy Napier. Are or, or some things a little sour in? Gainesville will go over to Tuscaloosa should there be panic at Alabama there was a video that was coming out of guys uh, uh, doing some training the the high jump the power skip uh, at least that's what we called it the power skip and people were making fun of uh, the University of Alabama and the players doing uh, uh, just off-season training which I, 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 <laughs> I thought the video was funny. Daddy, in case you missed it, you can go over to Twitter. It's all over there, and we'll see it. But what are the realistic thoughts that we have on Kalen DeBoer in year one uh, at Tuscaloosa? A lot of people are believing that they can now take on and beat uh, Alabama. I just don't see a scenario where they don't win nine games. Maybe they win eight in the regular season. But I just don't see – I think they're still way too talented for you to just not look at Alabama and say to yourself uh, that they're not a good team, so we'll talk about that. So we mentioned Brooks Alston at 1030, and at the end of the show, we will uh, we will uh, uh, do our, our segment, Ask Blake. So thoughts, questions, concerns, you can fire them inside of the Rudy Crew chat. We do have a couple of them in here brian turner says big blake florida is the last team i ever want to see get back to prominence i was a kid during the 0609 tebow meyer years it was not fun yeah you know look i um brian i, I think that that's very interesting because i have had the the thought process that they are a head coach away and look you got to i mean it's not that easy. I mean, anybody, if you get the head coach right, obviously your program uh, is going to be in the right direction. But, like, I i do think that Florida has made some very skeptical head coaching hires. I think they fired Dan Mullen a little too soon. Uh, they're, they're blaming him for recruiting, even though Billy Napier has been around the same area that Dan Mullen was. I think Dan Mullen's a better play caller than Billy Napier. I think Billy's a little bit strange in some of the things that he does we'll, we'll talk about that but you know like if I'm Florida as an example do I go to and legitimately do I do I look at Florida as a place that if they get a guy like Elaine Kiffin what happens at Florida I, I think that they are the we did our SEC tier rankings though other day, and we'll talk about this too but we did our SEC tier rankings uh, last week and we had Florida in the bottom tier at four. They're the only team that was in our tier four teams. Like So, Mississippi State was in there. Vandy was in there. Florida was in there. And, and I'm thinking, I'm forgetting uh, uh, another team that was in our, uh, our tier four. I, I, I am blanking on who was also in our tier four. But there is no team... In tier three and tier four, that can go from the bottom of the SEC to being a tier one type of team more than Florida. No, I mean, guys, you got to be realistic with yourself. So, if the, you know, I, I we will talk about Billy Napier here, some things that are starting to uh, matriculate. How about that dictionary word here? Some things matriculating um, uh, in Gainesville. So, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. Our good buddy, TJ who did not really like me earlier this week when I had my thoughts on Florida State. But he says, Sunbelt Billy is cooked. Get the new show popping, Blake. Big moves. Thank you. Yes, episode one. We'll continue to do this on Monday and Thursdays. And maybe, just maybe, we will have to talk to TJ from Double Fries No Slaw because maybe the Florida State Seminoles will be taking their talents to the SEC. Maybe they go independent. Who knows what's going to happen with Florida State. Thank you, TJ, uh, for being in here. Chris H. says, I could see Bama only winning eight or nine games this year. All new staff, new terminology, new offense, defense, install. There's going to be a learning curve. Fully expect that. I just think that when I see people on social media talking about Alabama, I I, I feel as if that – They think that they're going to go six and six. (laughs) I got a newsflash for you, buddy. They're not going six and six. They are not going six and six. Sorry to tell you that they're just not. They're just not. All right. Let's get rolling here. Brooks Austin joins us in about 20 minutes. We got lots to discuss. We'll go. Over to Gainesville. Some things that we're hearing around Gainesville. What do I think about Billy Napier? And is it time to completely panic at the University of Alabama? We will talk about those two things before Brooks gets in there. And we'll go to Athens. Really excited for our buddy Wes Johnson. You know, Wes Johnson's a friend of the show. A former LSU pitching coach. I'm excited for him. Happy for him. It's been a long time coming for him that he... Uh, it's It's now a head coach in the sec. So excited for him. They are four and uh, hope that they have a lot of success. Just not success against my LSU Tigers, but nevertheless, uh, happy for our good friend, Wes Johnson. All right, let's do this. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. If you're on Facebook, do us a favor, hit that like button, hit the share, share to all those groups, share to all those social media pages, specifically share to the sec ones. Uh, if you are in them, because this is going to be, or this is episode one of Around Your SEC. Uh, if you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, notification bell, wherever you listen to podcasts, excuse me, rate, review, and subscribe. All right. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. We got lots to discuss. Episode one. I'm excited. I hope you're as excited. I I have um, really bad, not really bad, but I have heartburn, so I'm like belching a lot. Uh, it's really aggravating. Very, very, very aggravating when you gotta talk this much and you have uh, a heartburn. All right. Talk about our good friends over at Ben. Don't go to where we're back next. BetOnline Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contest, events, with the first to market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including major league baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports. Esports and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in game betting props and futures. Head on over to Bet Online today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50, that's Believe50 B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag ag He will sell your house and find you a new. Well, Tyler's the man. He's here for you. If you wanna buy or sell, well, it's not too late. Dial nine five five zero 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 eight. Y'all, nine five five zero zero zero.
2: Hey, y'all, call Tyler. He'll shoot you straight.
1: We're back. <laughs> yeah! Episode one is not. Episode one is not without their their issues. We were just supposed to run the bet online ad, but it doesn't matter because our good friend Tyler Alexander is absolutely fantastic. Um. MP says, yeah, Bama might be fine, but there's no reason LSU shouldn't be jumping right over them. Well, look, uh, we're going to talk a lot of SEC here. I, I agree with what you're saying, but w- we'll talk about that. Danny Girl says, Bama dropping to six and six is as likely as Vandy making the SEC championship game. I agree with that. Chris Lomax says, watching while making ice cream. It's 10 a.m. in the morning, big dog. You're making ice cream. The da da ice cream. Brad says, baking soda and water, Blake, clears it right up. Okay, I'll have to take you up on that. And Timmy, Mar- or, or, Timmy Martin says, teaspoon of mustard, rid you of that, homie. Okay. Okay, I'll have to do a tablespoon of mustard. Let's get rolling. I'm really excited about this uh, as we are in episode one of Around Your SEC. So, look, there has been a lot of chatter uh, here lately at least on social media not really a lot of articles being written about this but a lot of chatter from the fan base out there in Gainesville Florida uh, this within the last week were was trying to raise funds for collectives and other little things that they were doing and Billy Napier was a spokesman for that and there is a lot of chatter that a lot of big big time boosters now look a lot of this is rumors OK, like none of this is completely confirmed, but that a lot of boosters in Gainesville are out on Billy Napier. Now, I look at Billy and look, he from, you know, at least a lot of you who who watch our our show at night, we talk a lot of LSU, obviously, AYS sports. He is always going to have that comparison with him and Brian Kelly, who came in at the same time. Obviously, he was already in the state of Louisiana at ULL. But I do think that Billy Napier at Florida did have, I'm not going to say he didn't have a, a tough rebuild at Florida because he did have a, a pretty strong rebuild that he had to have there. But going into year three, what is the realistic expectation of what where they should be under him, what they should be doing under him? and the direction of the program. Because I look at a guy like Billy Napier, who had a lot of success at the G5 level in the state that I am in, in Louisiana, and I say to myself, man, this could be, in the next six, seven, eight, nine months, he could be fired from the University of Florida. It would seem as if that he does not have the backing from the boosters, that a lot of people are out on Billy Napier in Gainesville. And I gotta be honest, I don't know if I really blame them. You know, I think that Billy should have this past off season looked around for a bona fide offensive coordinator and should have given up play calling. He thinks that the what he's doing, the system that he's running, is going to work on the SEC, and I fully disagree with him here. Now, what is the truth with Florida going into this year? Look, they do return some key pieces. Now, Trevor Etienne obviously leaving Florida, going to their biggest rival, in Georgia is a big loss. But you do have Graham Mertz returning, and I think that it's interesting because when you have a quarterback that returns and has seen a lot of action in college football, that can propel you and help you in games that maybe people do not think that you historically can win. I do like when a when a team has a very uh, experienced and older quarterback on their team. I think Graham Mertz, for what it's worth now, against teams like uh, Georgia, he did not do too well. Uh, LSU even, he had some struggles. And in some big-time games, he did not look up to par. But against teams like South Carolina, he looked really good. You know, last year Merch completed seventy two point nine percent of his passes, so let's just say seventy three percent. He threw for twenty nine hundred yards, twenty touchdowns, three interceptions. I thought that he was a highlight of their team and their offense, even when they went to Utah in week one. They have really good offensive weapons like Eugene Wilson is still there. You have Bronningham or Boardingham, excuse me, the tight end. I think they do have some decent offensive linemen. But this schedule that he has is really brutal. So now you're in a situation, if you're Billy Napier, it, you, it looks as if that you don't have the booster support. You arguably have the toughest schedule in America. And I could, I, at, least maybe, at least for me, maybe this is a little recency bias. I think I can make the argument that this might be the toughest schedule that I've ever seen. Because when you look at Florida going into the year with a, with a uh, let's just call it what it is, possibly a lame duck head coach, a, a roster that maybe doesn't have the talent that Florida historically should and has had, I think Billy's in trouble. I think Billy, and this isn't a hot take, a lot of people are there, but can they shock some people? Let me give you a, a thought here now. In the beginning of the year, they have Miami at home, they have Sanford at home, they have Texas A&M at home, and then they play at Mississippi State.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: That Miami game is really interesting at home because, look, what are your thoughts about a, another Florida team that's underperformed? look Mario Cristobal has completely so far underperformed now he is recruited at a really high level he's got a lot of talent on both lines of scrimmage offense defensive line are going to be really good he gets uh cam Ward the quarterback from Washington State previously at Incarnate word a team or a place there where I saw him play a lot Could Miami be a lot better what does cam Ward give? the Miami Hurricanes. I think it's very tough to go into Gainesville and get a win in the Swamp at a game that arguably and probably will be at night. I look at Miami, that Miami game, and say, listen, if they come out of that game with a win, I could obviously see them beating Sanford. What is Texas A&M going to be? Guys, Like, I, I don't think that we have any idea what Texas A&M is going to be with all of the turnover that they have out there in Aggieland. Like, yeah, they have a lot of talented pieces, but what what are they? What will they be? Then you go to, or to Mississippi State. Guys, I, I think Florida can win there. I think that is a game that they can win. They got UCF at home. I think that's also a winnable game. So let's think about this. I will give you, let's just say they lose to either Miami or Texas A&M. There's a very strong chance that, Florida in the beginning of the year, before going to Tennessee, that they could be one, two, three, four, five. They could be four and one going into the Tennessee game. Legitimately, you could make the argument they could be four and one. You could also make the argument that they could be three and two. Hell, you could even make the argument they could be two and three if they lose to UCF. But if they're four and one going into Tennessee, I think Tennessee is a game that they will lose mainly due to the fact that they don't have the talent, and I think Tennessee's going to want to get a little bit of revenge on the Gators. But once you get to that Tennessee game, listen to this. It is arguably the most brutal schedule for Billy Napier and any team on planet Earth in college football once you get to Tennessee, once you get to week five, week six for the Florida Gators. because I don't think they beat Tennessee. Can they be Kentucky at home? Maybe. But then they have a bye game after Kentucky in the most brutal schedule in the country. They have Georgia in a neutral site. They go to Texas. They got LSU at home, Ole Miss at home, and then they got Florida State in Tallahassee. Billy Napier better have a really, really good beginning of the year because if he doesn't, he's in trouble. Now, going into year three for Billy is six and six enough. Is 6-6 six and six enough for him to keep his job? I don't think that it is. I don't even know if he can get to six wins. I don't see six wins on this schedule. Even though that I look at them last year and say, look, they weren't as bad offensively as some people made them out to be. Yeah, Trevor Etienne is out the door. They were 46 in total offense. They They actually weren't a bad team throwing the football because of the time of possession that they had. They were 40th in the country in passing offense, which per a metric, per a standing, would be a little bit better, mainly due to the fact because they love to run the clock down. They were not bad at times offensively. The issues that they had were on defense. Now, can Ron Roberts and Austin Armstrong rebuild and retool that defense? Now, they return guys up front like Tyreek Sapp and Cam Jackson. I just don't think that Billy can get past the 5-6 win mark. I think that he is a, a lame duck sitting head coach. And I, I do think that it's very interesting when we look at Florida and say to ourselves, look, they could easily be four and one going into that Tennessee game. They could easily be three and two. But once they go to Tennessee and then they got Tennessee, Kentucky, by game, then Georgia. because they're going to get absolutely destroyed by Georgia. They go to Texas. Guys, you can think whatever you want to about Texas. Are they back? Are they not? Florida goes into Austin, and they're going to get destroyed. Regardless if I like some of the things that Graham Mertz did last year or not, even if I think that Eugene Wilson is a really good receiver or not, Billy is a lame duck sitting head coach. Let me say this before – we transition into that video, that viral video of Alabama and everybody freaking out about the power skip. And everybody goes, oh, man, it, it, it's horrible in T-Town. It's horrible in T-Town. Listen to me. Florida is the only Tier 14 that we've had that can go from Tier 4 to Tier 1. We talked about this. If I am the Florida administration, if I am the Florida boosters, there's only one man that I want if we fire Billy at the end of the year. Hell, he might not even make it to the end of the year. He could get to the Georgia game. They go to Jacksonville and get those cheeks clapped, and he's out the door. Man, what would Lane Kiffin look like in Gainesville? Ooh, wouldn't be a pretty sight. Now, does he leave Ole Miss for, for Florida? Who knows? Does he want to go in that gauntlet of three? No, well, now four power five or power four teams? We'll see. Okay. Brooks Austin joining us in five minutes. Uh, I do want to say this before we get to him, though, because I think it's it's been very interesting. Have any of you, all of you, give us a thumbs up in the chat if you've seen this? Did have y'all seen this video that's gone viral? about the offseason workouts in Tuscaloosa with the power skip, you know, I don't even know what you call it. I mean, we did it when we when I was at Southeastern playing football, we did it when we were in high school and somebody did the voiceover of one of the Alabama players going, "Daddy, daddy, yes." A lot of people right now in the SEC are looking at Alabama and saying to themselves, Man, now that Saban's gone, we can beat him. The the run is over. I agree with you on the run being over. But I'm going to tell you something now, and this is something that I know that our LSU brethren, our LSU fans, and I'm sure I'm going to hear hear about it tonight on our show when we talk a lot of LSU stuff. If you think that Alabama still does not have a lot of talent on that roster and that Kalen DeBoer, who, by the way, just throwing this out there, coached to coached a national championship game this year, if you think that they do not have talent and a good coaching staff, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, like I, I've seen Tennessee fans. Hell, I've seen my own fan base and LSU. Now, is probably the only one that can chirp chirp, and get away with it because what they will say is probably true. But I see Ole Miss fans. Hell, I even see, for whatever reason, Kentucky fans. A&M fans saying, the run and the dynasty is over. You're right about that. I've also seen a lot of them saying that they are going to beat the University of Alabama next year, and a lot of fan bases and teams believe that they're going to do that. Well, all I will tell you is this. Now, I do think that they're going to have struggles. I think that they can get to eight, nine wins in the regular season. But who are those teams that they beat? They're still a really talented program, a really talented team. They've brought in some really talented guys. Now, are they going to have the run and the rain like they did last year In the last 17 years? Guys, nobody has been suffocated by Alabama more than LSU. Nobody. From a talent-to-talent standpoint. If Nick Saban wasn't in Alabama. How many SEC championships and titles do you have? I'm just going to tell you. You can make fun of them. It's fine. I make fun of them. I'm glad that the dynasty is over. But one thing I will say you better you better be careful because I still think they get to 9 wins in the regular season and your program might be the team that they beat. Okay. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. You say one positive thing as an LSU guy about Alabama, the chat already goes crazy. What did I do? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Oh, the Film Guy Network, our good friend, Brooks Austin says, let's get it. Yeah, we can, we're we going to go to him next. Um, Chris H. says, it's been all downhill for Florida since they tossed that shoe. <laughs> yeah, 2020 COVID had LSU beat. We're, was a game away from beating Alabama in the SEC championship game for making their first playoff. It has been downhill ever since they threw that shoe. Was Marco Wilson? Wasn't it Marco Wilson that threw the shoe? Um, Brother, and let me tell you something. My man heaved that shoe. Cole Taylor's shoe was heaved. I mean, he threw that thing 30 yards downfield. And then Cade York, in the fog, 50-plus yard field goal. Yeah, I mean, look. And what's crazy about that, that 2020 Alabama team was really good. And they had them on the ropes sometimes. That defense could not make stops consistently now uh uh uh, kyle trask and the boys um thought that they would get one over on a uh, on a five and five lsu team so yeah all right last one before we get to brook uh brooks austin uh danny girl says DeBoer inherited a team already on third base with a big lead um I don't think they're on third base because a lot of kids left. I mean, the, arguably, I don't want to say that. I mean, what do you consider Downs, the safety, going to Ohio State? I mean, he might be the best player, non-quarterback or non-offensive player. He might be just be the best defensive player in the country. Um, And Caleb Downs, I don't know if they're on third base. She said BK inherited a team uh, at bat With an 0-2 count, folks sleeping on the board as a coach. I do agree with that last part. They are sleeping on him. All right. Let's do this. Really excited. Our first guest on our live show segment of Around Your SEC. We go up to Athens. Really excited to talk to our next guest, uh, Brooks Austin. Let's talk about our good friends over at Home Field Apparel. Don't go anywhere. We are back next. Really excited about this next guest. It's going to be fun. Let's go to Athens. Have some fun.
3: Rufino and Joe show is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, which is the best, without a doubt, premium collegiate apparel brand that is out there. They have over 150 different colleges that you can choose from, whether you're an Illinois fan or a Rutgers fan, maybe you're an LSU fan like Blake, or maybe you're an Alabama fan, whatever it is, even Idaho. They have so many different designs for so many different football programs that I can guarantee you're going to find some great stuff to help Root for your favorite team. I've already gotten my Notre Dame stuff. Blake has his LSU stuff. Make sure you head on over to homefieldapparel.com to check out your team's collection of clothing apparel that they have on the website. And when you do so, when you check out, make sure you use promo code Joe to get 15% off your order. That is R-U-F-F-I-N-O, Joe. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com and get your college gear today. Brooks
2: Austin. What's up, man? Been a little while. How you doing? Yeah, man, just chilling, bro. Been, uh, been a, a good minute. I think it's been about 18 months since you and I have done show together. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, I was I was sitting here Fuck. listening to you. I think we're going to out-radio cadence one another. You have terrific radio cadence, my boy. we like... We're like in the middle of a thought, and instead of saying, um, just take a dramatic pause, just back off the microphone a little bit, let it hold, and then come back (laughs) with a tremendous pace from you, my boy.
1: You know, uh, those, uh, those, those, uh, Say, I just said, um, (laughs) I've spent a lot of money to teach myself how not to say, um, in the middle of a, of a podcast or radio show, so I guess it's well worth it. Thank you for that. Well, Brooks Austin, man, you covered the Georgia Bulldogs. That film guy, I'm really excited to have you on. Our first guest on our new segment around uh, – we did a segment around your SEC, but we're going to do the live show here. And I- I'm glad to have you on here because I do think that Georgia is a top when it comes to college football, specifically uh, in the SEC. Let me ask you before we do talk about Georgia. Yesterday, though, the playoff was announced, Five this 5-7 five, model – I guess when you saw that, what were your first thoughts when you saw uh, the 5-7 model that was re- uh, is going to be released in college football?
2: Confusion? Like, I, I, I hate to bag on, like, national reporters, but, like, I, I think I'm a pretty smart football guy. I think I've been studying college football for a long time. I think I understand the inner workings. When the national reporters came out yesterday talking about 5 plus 7, A5s, a six, Group 5, Group 4, uh, we're going to automatically qualify for – conference it just seemed confusing and you really had to like read the CFP's announcement um, and their statements to actually understand what it was, which came to a pretty clear, you know, understanding for me is that they're going to give the automatic four bids to the, to the four conference championships from the power four now, and then just take the highest, the terminology on this was weird to me, Blake, the highest ranked, uh, you know, fifth conference champion. And here's my question. Let's say we have, like we have most years, where there's only one group of five team that's really worth the shit, like in terms of a college football playoff conversation, right? Let's say we get to that portion of the season at the end of the year. Let's say that team is Liberty. Let's say that team in Liberty has a conference championship game against a really decent mid-major team in Troy in their conference championship game, and they lose that sucker. And now Troy is the quote-unquote highest-ranked conference championship outside of the power Four. Do we put a ten and two uh, Troy Conference champion in this in this sucker now just because they deserve it and just because the wording on this was terrible? I think the wording should have stuck at hey we're going to take the Power Four now and then the highest ranked Group of Five team like that that makes the most sense to me. This conference championship tie I think is going to give us some some issues down the road, man, if we're not careful.
1: I agree with you, and I had the same exact thought because they contradicted themselves in the article release when they said it's the five highest conference champions, okay, but then they said the the highest ranked at large, the the next seven, and I'm like, okay, well, uh, technically the Pac-2 still does technically exist, and I'm assuming they're going to have a conference championship game. Are they included in this? So uh, you never spec- – they never specified that they were not a Power 5 conference. So no. until you make the specificity to me, big word, uh, proud of myself, okay, when you make the specificity that they are not a Power 5 conference, are they an automatic bid or not? Like what are we doing here? But here's the biggest thing to me to, to your point. Could you imagine last year number five Georgia playing Liberty?
2: And here's what else I, I can't imagine, right? The BC or the CFP rankings, the moment they come out, the worst team to be right now is ranked 12th because you're going to immediately get bumped out because the 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 non-Power 5 team that is the highest ranked conference championship is going to bump you out. And if it's not an undefeated non-Power 5 team, history shows us that team's going to be unranked. Right. That team's going to be outside the top 25 and they're going to bump out. Like last year, I think it was Ole Miss that was around that 12, 13 lingering uh, area. Last year, Liberty would have bumped out Ole Miss uh, for a college football playoff, and I guess Liberty des- quote-unquote deserved it. We're getting back into this uh, in-, in terms of the the 13-0 and 0 running the slate in the mid-majors, but here's my thing, and I said this on our show last night. I find it, it- it's not funny because it's the sport that we love, so it's important to us, but I find it kind of ironic that we are trusting these people to tell me who the best 11 teams are but we can't decide we can't allow them or we can't trust them to discern whether or not a group of five team is deserving of being a top 12 team why can't we just have 12 great teams why do we have to have 11 great teams and one participation trophy why can't we just <laughs> trust these people that we trust with 11 decisions to decide whether or not that group of five team is one of the best 12 i think that's a little confusing to me all in the sake of fairness when I mean, shit, we don't do nothing in this sport based off fairness. There exactly. ain't no rules in it right now. There is no fairness on the, on the recruiting trail. So, like, what are we doing with this idea of just gifting one? That, that's very weird to me. I think you
1: – fantastic point in reference to automatic qualifiers. I don't think that there should be any. Now, I was not a playoff expansion guy personally. Okay, I don't think that there's 12 teams on God's planet Earth on a given year that can win a national title. I think there may be on a great year is three. Maybe. Like, hy- hypothetically, maybe. Like, this year, I think Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt. Florida State can run the table. They could have won a na- national title. Washington, Texas, Georgia, maybe. Like, that's a year that – but historically, Michigan
2: two years Alabama, ago like – Six. Okay, well, that's six. (laughs) No, last year was – hey, listen, this is how unique last year was, Blake. It was the first time the college football playoff had an actual decision at the fourth-ranked team. Normally it's just been like, boom, hey, just plug them in. We can't even find four. So you're right in this sense. But I think college football's elites, like the top five teams, top six teams, that that expansion has become a little bit longer due to the portal because more teams are filling holes with – I mean, the bottom of the barrel is awful the really bad D1 teams are even worse because the moment they pray for a good football player, an actual program that can compete for a title steals them off their roster for a higher salary. So I think it has made the Washingtons better. The Texas is better. Um, you know, the the, the Tennessee is now competitive. Right. But right. The, the, the powerhouses seem to still be the powerhouses in college football. But I think that that we only have three good teams has now expanded to we have six solid teams, I feel like.
1: I agree with that. And what, what's interesting about that, and we'll we'll talk about this with Georgia with you in just a minute, is that what's going to happen when the one and two scene happened? But I have, a, I have a hypothetical before we get into Georgia here. What are we going to do as college football fans if a 10 and two, nine and three Utah wins the Big 12 and they have a, a bye game? And let's just say whoever, you know, let's say a one-loss SEC team doesn't have a bye. Like, what are we going to do if there's two undefeated teams in the SEC championship? Obviously, one of them has to lose, and Utah is the one that gets the the bye game, and the other SEC team doesn't.
2: Yeah, I I don't – the hypotheticals in this scenario get, like, real, real funny because we're dealing with more and more moving parts. I think the one thing, now that we're talking about this, that it just flashed in my head – there was no there was no conference limits on this. Do you remember when the 12 expansion was first announced, they were going to 12, there was rumblings that they were going to limit each conference to a maximum of 3 entrants? Right. That's right. There was no wording in that this this time around because obviously the Big 10 and the SEC have the big power stroke in this and they probably were like, "Uh, hell no. Like we're not we're not going to limit ourselves if we have 5 teams ranked in the top 11." And y'all gift the one to Tulane, who's ten and eleven or you know, eleven and two, then we're taking our five and you can piss off. I, I think that was that was important in the wording here and 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 until just now, I it kind of slipped my mind that they removed the limitations on each conference.
1: Yeah, because ESPN, who's gonna pay seven point eight billion over the next six years, said, Hey, if Texas is on the brink, we want them in versus, you know, some other Rudy Pooh that won't get in there. All right. Brooks Austin. Is joining us. Buddy, uh, I saw that the G the G game, I think it's what it's called. The Georgia yeah. Spring game was announced uh yesterday. Going into spring, what is your biggest uh uh not worry, but biggest area of not, maybe concern or what are you looking for? The, the gates open up, you go to practice. What is the one position group for Georgia that you want to see
2: how they progress? I'm concerned my boy Josh Brooks has not figured out to move spring games off of Masters Weekend. Like, can we figure <laughs> that the hell out? Like Come on, my boys! Right down the damn road. It's like forty-five minutes from Athens, and, and, and you out here holding a spring game while you know it's Saturday, dog. It's cut day. Um, anyways, um, m- most important position group. I, I think for me, it's the newcomers, right? It's it's in uh, nowadays when you talk about spring football. Uh, Georgia's got seven transfers. They got to get a hold of and and get an idea of who they are. Uh, I think you know two or three of them were already on the roster. Or, or had an ability to practice with them a few times during bowl practices. Um, you know, it was interesting to watch London Humphreys look like he was drinking from a fire hose. And I don't care how good you are when you come from one program to another and it's like your third day of practice. And for you, it's day three for everyone else it's day 303. Like you're, you're going to look like you're very, very overwhelmed. And that's exactly what he looked like in the observational windows that we got um, down there. But you know, I, I'm curious just to see how that all works. I've been talking about it ad nauseum lately. I feel like just their their strategy in terms of roster acquisition and how they st- stack their room at the wide receiver position is very different than any other position on their, on their uh, roster, really. Running backs kind of turned into this. But, you know, Georgia's historically been a great running back recruiting team. No doubt. La- last couple of cycles, they've missed on some big names. Um, I think NIL have, plays a major role in that. I think the running back position is disproportionately expensive right now because they know the length of their lifespan or their, their career lifespan. So they're going to get money earlier or try to. But they don't, they've never really recruited the wide receiver position at an elite level under Kirby Smart, and nothing's changed there. It hasn't gotten much better, so much so that you look at their roster now, and it's very much so dependent upon transfer guys. They have five of them, right? Ra'ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett were two SEC guys they brought in last year. They'll be back for their second year uh, at Georgia. And then, like I said, London Humphreys, Colby Young, the 6'5 wide receiver from Miami that had a buck 80 against Texas AM. Uh, and then they brought in Michael Jackson, the third from USC. The room is dependent upon transfers and then quote unquote homegrown guys that they signed and have blocked, like tried to boom, right? Guys like Tyler Williams, guys like Dylan Bell, guys like Anthony Evans, but the bulk of their production this year is going to have to come from guys that they, you know, brought on from other rosters. And that's like I said, that's not what they do at any other position. Every other position, it's like, oh shit, that that top two fifty players backing up that five star. It's not like that at wide <laughs> receiver.
1: You know, it, it was my 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 second question to you about them was about the weapons for Carson Beck. now. On our national show, I picked him as my number one Heisman Trophy guy. I I, I really like, you know, Carson Beck. Some of the hits that he took in the pocket I thought were ridiculous for the throws that he made. Let me ask you this question. Now, you bring in a tight end from Stanford, too. Is that the the position group that worries you the most, maybe, what you have out wide or some of the things that that Beck might have to work with?
2: Yeah, offensively, that's it. I mean – the, the weaponry is always the question. I feel like, you know, I've been covering Georgia. This will be my fifth season. And every time this year I am editing someone on our staff that is writing, will this be the year Georgia has a 1,000-yard receiver? Like, it's it's every mm-hmm. single year we ask that question. And, I mean, in the time that I've been covering Georgia, I, I've watched Alabama have 2,000-yard receivers in one season. Right. I've seen Ohio State almost have three. <laughs> like, all these other teams that they play against all the time – you know pretty much rack it up at the at the weaponry position but they they have been over the last couple of years particularly the last three years have been very tight end focused right as you can imagine with Darnell Washington and Brock Bauer. So those things will likely change a little bit. But in terms of my biggest concern for the way this football program plays, you flip over on the defensive side of the football and they're a four two five nickel football team like everybody else. They live in the nickel so you better have a good nickel defensive back. Um they call it the star at Georgia it's Jonel Aguero right now. And that's like it. And he's a red shirt freshman. Didn't play a lot last year. Was a top 30 player. I believe in the consensus rankings coming out of IMG Academy. He's a guy like he's a really talented football player, but he has no, he's very little game experience and there's really not a lot of like high quality depth behind him. It's a lot of guys that they're going to have to cross train to figure out how to manufacture depth at that position. And, if you're manufacturing depth in March, I can't imagine what it's going to be like if you're not careful in November.
1: With the addition of T-Rob, now I'm assuming with Schumann still there and obviously Kirby, he's not going to call in or have any say in play calling, I would assume. Um, does T-Rob's addition change your thought process on that concern defensively?
2: I mean, so – It it was interesting to see Muschamp bump off-field. So, like, that was his kind of baby. The star and the safety position when Muschamp was here was kind of it. Now, T-Rob is, is like, the coaching son equivalent of Muschamp. They are, like, tied together. If you look at their coaching wikis, he's basically – anytime Muschamp has ever had an opportunity to, he's hired and brought T-Rob with him. So, they are very, very connected and akin. So – I would imagine there's not a lot of philosophical turnover or change in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the system is the system, to be honest with you. They haven't changed it a bunch. When, when Landing was here, they became a really heavy simulated pressure football team. Um, but ever since then, they've kind of been, hey, we line up and play football, and we might mix some coverages in the back end, but we're not going to try to beat you schematically today because we're Georgia, we can beat you physically.
1: Secondary-wise, they can. On some yeah. pieces. I mean, the safety position, I mean, I think it's pro- arguably – and I, I think you should probably have the best secondary uh, in the country. All right, Brooks Alston is joining us here. Uh, that film guy, as you can see right there on his uh, on, on his desk. Um, let me ask you this question before we, we move forward. Um, a lot has been made, obviously, with Saban leaving. It's going to be the dynasty a lot of people think is over. And a lot has come out of Georgia like like look man we are the top dog clearly they are. Um, a lot of pressure going into this season you think trying to get back there and win it now that that Saban's out or or, or am I crazy to say like hey man we have a tw- this, all this is new and, and Kirby's got some things you guys figure out offensively but what do you think about uh, way too early preseason prediction where do you see the Georgia Bulldogs in December?
2: In December, I man, the schedule is tough as shit. I know. They, they, I mean, and it's not Florida, you just got done talking about Florida's gauntlet. Florida's got a nightmare coming their way. Pause very quickly um, Have you seen a tougher schedule than what Florida has? Not in college football history, me no. either. Yeah, May, maybe some of the stuff that Florida State used to have to do, um, you know, when, when they were kind of up and are like up and flipping flopping in conferences in the early 90s. Um, they their out of conference schedule used to be absolutely dumb, but. Um, no, I haven't seen anything like this in a long time, but Georgia's got three tough ones on the schedule and they're all on the road like I think they're going to handle Tennessee um, not handle but do what they've been doing to Hypo's offense in the last mm-hmm. couple of years, which is play the run with light boxes and just cover everybody else because we're Georgia we can do that. <laughs> um, that's their mindset with that football program and it will be until Tennessee can beat them doing that. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the, the other three on the schedule are at Texas, at Alabama, and at Ole Miss. That's, I mean, that's three top eight programs on the road in the SEC. That's, that's going to be tough. I don't care who you are. Uh, and nowadays, even with the 12 team explain, I mean, you're going to have to go two out of three. You can't, you can't lose all three of those games. I, maybe you can go win one of those three games, run your slate, be a 10 and 2 program, take the SEC weekend off and be ranked 10th. Right, man, there's a there's an opportunity for that, but in terms of their slate this year, those three football games are are going to be brutal. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm I'm bullish on their chances against Bama and Ole Miss. It's that Texas matchup. You know, I think it's week three or it might be mid mid season. But man, it's, that's a that's a tough one on the road in Austin.
1: And it's a hostile place. People don't give it credit. Look, we went there in 2019. Brooks, when the Burrow and the boys went there and they put all of us in the nosebleed?
2: What's that? It was an overtime game, wasn't
1: it? Uh, Almost, no. But it was 46-41. But, man, I I tell you, like, they almost – they literally are fingertips away from getting an onside kick and Matthew McConaughey, like, you know, going crazy on the sidelines. I have my own thoughts on McConaughey now. But, I I mean, it's a hostile place to play that nobody wants to talk about. Um, Hold on,
2: Blake. I got a take for you. Okay. We got to let it simmer. Okay. Matthew McConaughey is the Taylor most Swift overrated
1: dude in college football.
2: No, he's the Taylor Swift of college football. Way too much, way too much TV time. Why the hell is that dude on the sideline? What's going on? Damn, he sure is handsome. You know <laughs> what I mean? I, I, I do. Now
1: that you said that,
2: oh my God. Why is he why is he spending two hours on the McAfee broadcast? What's going on here? Well, and you know, you what, know
1: what else? I mean? You know what else is too? What I thought was funny? It, like, even in that 2019 LSU game, he gave a pregame speech. Yeah. I'm like, like what, are, what are we doing? Why are here? you here, bro? What do you have to do? <laughs> what are you here? Oh, no, I wonder how much money he gives to the program. That would be the question. Oh, that-
2: he's he's well, you know, they have three. It's funny. Texas has is is in a very uh, peculiar <sighs> situation in the sense that They have three billionaire donor families that are in a competitive, uh, you know, kind of battle right now as Texas becomes good to be the supreme leader in the Booster (laughs) Foundation. So that that's a that's an ideal situation to have. And then you have this, you know, movie star who makes 40 million dollars every time they turn a camera on him that also wants to buy his way on the sidelines. So, yeah, man, it's just it's great shit going on out there in Austin.
1: I never, th- I never put that together until you just said that. That might be the f- the best comparison that we'll make on the show. Matthew McConaughey is Taylor Swift of college football. Um,
2: Tighter jeans, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> dude, can I just tell you? I know that I shouldn't have this opinion. I'm so glad that the NFL season's over because of that. Like, oh, yeah. you mean, know, whatever.
2: What it is, I'm here for these jokes. That's all. <laughs> oh, dude, it, it,
1: it's funny, like. A lot of the things that they, oh, is she gonna make it from Tokyo? Like who gives a who gives a shit? She'll make it. I promise you, she'll make it. Two more for you, Brooks. Before I get you out of here, you talked to Dan Lanning. What was it last week? Um Yeah, yeah Monday I think last week. Yes. Yeah, Monday like last week. I, I was able to catch some of that. And tell me if you think that I'm wrong here. I feel like that I just saw a coach when you talked to him who thinks that he can be in the national title game. The confidence brewing from him seems like – I'm like, dude, this dude thinks he's going to be there. And I don't know if he won't be, but, I mean, dude is oozing confidence.
2: I think that comes from all of his work. I mean, honestly, like I I asked him – one of the questions I asked him, everyone probably asked him about, you know, Alabama or – you know, turning down jobs or he gets a lot of questions about his, his start to coaching, which is a kind of an epitome of his story. He drove 10 hours overnight, slept in his car, uh, waited outside the doors of the pit facility because it was one coach that he had made an impression upon during his summer circuit with his high school football team because he was dying to get into college football coaching. So he took a big gamble there. And then he takes the big gamble on himself. At uh, He's the, a position coach or a GA, I believe, at UTEP or UTSA, one or the other. And it was his last – or no, he's a position coach. And it was his last year to be able to be a graduate assistant. And he left UTSA as a position coach to go be a GA at the age of 29 with a wife and children, to be a graduate assistant at Alabama at the age of 29. And then seven years later, he's making $8 million being the head coach of Oregon. And everybody looks at him at that point. They're like, man, this guy's a great coach. But man, I see a dude that has taken a shitload of gambles on himself and a wife that has stood by him and, and vice versa during her, obviously, you know, struggles with, and battles with cancer and whatnot. But how, how could you not be confident if you're that human being? Like that dude has overcome and, and done everything he could to be where he's at and his dream has realized, you know what I'm saying? Like it, this never, seven years ago, seven years ago, he was making $18,000 as a damn near 30 year old with a wife and kid. Come on, man. How could he not be the most confident human in the be- in, in the world right now?
1: And I tell you Brooks, I mean, look, you're, you're, you're a self-made man. You, you do your show, you do your stuff. You have, you know, kids, making eighteen thousand dollars a year do you know how much stress like that comes upon you on that man that's insane out of
2: here i mean in this world you know how it is it's it's constant uh it's 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 unsettling ground in the media world at all times like you never feel safe no matter how good you are no matter how talented you are no matter what your numbers are i never feel safe and i'm constantly talking to some of these college coaches you know because I get propositioned about it all the time because it's not just a shtick we actually do talk football a lot and college coaches will try to feel me out and I'm like get the hell away from me I'm not uh-uh no nope. yeah. I'm, I'm good I'm not doing it like the 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 Hardman guy that just Bush Hardman that just became the offensive coordinator at Kentucky Blake he's made t- uh in 14 seasons he's moved 12 times uh, yeah get out of here I'm good dude I'm good. I, I was okay, a, maybe a DPP role for, for somebody who's great. I could be a recruiting coordinator for a right. guy who I know is not leaving for the next 10 years, but get the hell out of here thinking I'm gonna be a position coach chasing the dream of being a one day a head coach in college football. That's insane right now.
1: I was a GA in the Southern Conference for one year. I looked at my parents and said, I am not doing this. It was my dream to be a coach. Like right? like look, it was what I wanted to do had nobody could tell me anything. Did it for well, not even a year, six months. Brooks, I looked at them in the face and said, no, thank you. I, I literally would literally get there at 530 in the morning, okay, leave at probably like 1230, 1 a.m. in the morning because they give us all the shit work to do, yeah. cutting film, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, Mom, I'm not doing this. This is crazy. It, I,
2: really, it really is an addiction, man, Like, the, and the way that they right. work it. And I said that on my show the other day, and they're like, ooh, addiction. Watch the word choice you're using. Like, I know what word I'm using. I'm a recovering addict myself. I know what I'm using. These dudes are addicted to coaching football, no doubt. Um, and they can't get it out of their 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 mind. They can't get it out of their heart. I, I I asked Dan about it. I was like, y'all y'all talk about the calendar all the time, but I know you psychos. Even if I put a calendar <laughs> on you, you'd still be in the office 365 days a year. Like you'd be working 18 hours anyways because you're always searching for competitive advantage. It's just it's how they operate. Right. Um, and it's why they are who they are. The ones that make it to the top. I, the back to Dan, I just, the energy is beyond me, like how he has the, the ability to go do it. And he, and he talks about doing what you love. And if you love what you do, you don't need energy. Cause you get up and do it anyway. I'm like, bro, bro I love what I do. I still need to drink. I mean, he drinks five cups of coffee a day. He told me <laughs> um, which is way too much, way too much caffeine intake. It's a problem. Um, but you know, I, I love what I do. I, I ain't working like a college football coach right now. Sometimes, maybe during the season, but I ain't, I ain't pulling twenty-hour shifts every day, seven days a week, like some of these guys. With
1: do. Wa- with wife and kids, when it's time to wake up at six thirty, and you finally were just you know you went to bed at twelve twelve thirty in the morning, it, it's insane. Last question for you. I I, I, I don't know uh, if this is something that I'm just excited about. Now I have a good friend named Wes Johnson, who's new baseball or head baseball coach. Yeah, uh, at, at Georgia. Seems like the, the Georgia fan base is, is, is getting behind this baseball team. I'm a little excited for my man, Wes. 4-0, looking good. Condon,
2: ridiculous yeah. power. Uh, a lot of excitement going into this season with, with Georgia baseball or what? Yeah, I mean, it might help that they have the the best position player, I think, in college baseball. Like, Charlie Condon's a walking in 340-30 bombs.
1: No like doubt. He's,
2: he's he's really, really great. Um but I think the 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 discussion about Georgia baseball and, and Wes Johnson coming here—it's a macro discussion for this program. Um, you look at the facilities and and you look at the things that are provided to the football program, and it's just not quite on balance with the rest. I mean, you're an LSU fan. Mm-hmm. Go go watch an LSU baseball game. Go to that stadium. Walk around and then and right. then go to Georgia's. Go to Foley Field, and you'll just see like the, we went the there state last of year. Have no problems being a talented baseball program. Um, with the amount of talent that's in this state with, uh, you know, uh, Emerson Lake, Emerson Lake Point being right there, which for those of you who don't know the baseball circuit, I would say like 70% of the, the world's biggest baseball tournaments happen like an hour and a half from the University of Georgia. So <laughs> he, he really has no reason to not be able to recruit here. The only reason being the facilities are not great, Blake. I don't know if you've ever been to Athens, but Foley Field sits in this little hole. Behind this massive uh, Buttsmere building, where the football facilities is, mm-hmm. and it, and it's, I, I, if you told me it seats four thousand people, I would I would be shocked. Like it's just not big. That there's no stands in the outfield. Like it's just not. It's not an SEC baseball program that has been put a bunch of money into. However, I think Josh Brooks. We opened the show with a joke about. It. I think Josh Brooks has made a very much so concerted effort to pour money into track, to pour money into basketball, to pour money into baseball. And eventually these things will turn around. Obviously, the most important thing being hiring Wes Johnson, like that was a big hire for this baseball program. That was a guy that obviously spent time at LSU, but, you know, spent some time in the league as well. and really understands modern baseball and modern mechanics and, and modern data and analytics approach to the sport. So, yeah, they, they, they're four and they ain't really beat nobody yet. I know. Let's, let's hang out. <laughs> let's, let's figure it out and, and see. The basketball team does this every year. They're like, shit, man, they, they won 10 in a row. Uh-huh. And then they get into the conference, and they're like, 8 and 14. You're like, oh. oh <laughs> Let, let's, let's hold off on the, the expectations. But, yeah, as long as Charlie Codden's swinging the stick, they're going to be all right.
1: Yeah, and, and look, y'all's AD, I probably shouldn't say this. Was it an LSU baseball game, and was there all weekend trying to get West? Uh, and I'll just say it like this in talking with Wes, him being there all weekend, trying to get him to be the next head baseball coach of Georgia. He felt that they wanted to, Georgia wanted to get into that place where he will, he will spend the money. It's why Wes left. I mean, he's not going to hold any bones about it. So as well. All right. That film guy, my man, Brooks Austin. Tell everybody where they can catch all your stuff. Thank you so much, man, for being our first guest on around your sec.
2: Yeah, ain't no doubt. You can catch me on Twitter at Brooks Austin BA. And if you want to check out all of our work here on YouTube, just search the Film Guy Network, and you'll find it. Hey, Blake, I appreciate you for having me on, brother.
1: Anytime, man. Thank you so much. We'll talk, we'll talk again soon. See you, buddy. All right. That's Brooks Austin, that film guy. Always fantastic, dude. Our good friend Tyler Alexander says he's the guy that goes back to his high school games and wears a Letterman jacket. <laughs> I'm assuming he's talking about uh, McConaughey, maybe. Maybe he's talking about McConaughey. Cole Adams says McConaughey is a symptom of... The disease of the University of Texas alumni with money entitlement party with the player on a Friday night before the game always shows up late October, November losses. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has been really fun, man. And we'll continue to do these um, on Monday and Wednesdays. We'll go around your SEC. Look, we're expanding things uh, at AYS Sports. Look, if you're an editor, let me just say this. If you're an editor... And you're watching the show. You want to get into the sports media world? Hit us up. We are looking to uh, uh, continue to grow what we're doing uh, here as well. So I appreciate Brooks Austin uh, for joining us. It's been a really good and productive. I almost did. you Guys, did y'all see that? <laughs> uh, talking to the team, not you guys. Um, but it's been a very productive uh, episode. One uh, looking forward to continue to do these. We will be back on Monday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. So looking forward to that. Uh, We'll see y'all tonight, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, LSU does take on Kentucky, for all those who are wondering, our LSU fans in here. We'll see you at 7. Y'all have a good day. Peace.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.